1: Last week, here on Abounding Grace, Pastor Gary Wagner had us look at Luke chapter 6 and the sovereignty of God in preaching. Over the course of the next couple of days, we'll continue looking at the sovereignty of God in preaching. Join us. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, this is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Welcome to our program. We're looking at the sovereignty of God in preaching. It's recorded for us here in Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 16, and we want to focus our attention on the call of preaching and what it means to preach, why we preach, and where the sovereignty of God falls into the middle of all of this. Join us as we continue our examination of the book of Luke. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace.
2: A preacher today is expected to recount the newest book he has recently read, to to expound a famous piece of prose, to philosophize on the evils of capitalism, or to give counsel on how to build your self-esteem. But what is it that God's preachers are to herald when they stand before his people? Well, let's talk about it narrowly and broadly and begin by going back again to 1 Corinthians 15. In 1 Corinthians 15, you see the focus, the heart and the soul of the content of faithful preaching. Paul says in verse 1 Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all, or of first importance, that which I also received how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures now there you have the focus of true preaching the focus of true preaching is on christ crucified and risen according to the scriptures when a preacher preaches it's not going to be simply a political treatise it's not going to be simply some nice little series of moralisms He is going to take a passage of Scripture, whether from the Old Testament or from the New Testament. He is going to fully expound it, and in some way or another, the text is going to point toward a crucified, risen Christ. So the focus of his preaching will not be the law, it will not be the covenant, it will not be just reconstruction, it will not be just doctrine. It will be Christ crucified and risen according to the Scriptures. All of the sermons, some way or another, will focus on and point people to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now look, let's look at the content of preaching in broad terms. Turn to Acts chapter 20. Does what I just said mean the preacher is going to preach on just a handful of texts like John 3.16 or Romans 5.8, simply simple gospel text, simply changing the illustrations every Sunday? You know, that is what some preachers do every Sunday. And it's why they change churches every five years because they've exhausted their repertoire and that's not from me beloved that is from surveys that have been taken by preachers in this country the preacher is to expound on the entire text of scripture in acts 20, 20 25, paul is leaving a church where he has preached for quite some time and he seems to be very emotional Listen to what he says. And now, behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned or hesitated to declare unto you all the counsel or all the purposes of God. Paul says, as long as I was your preacher, the one thing that I did day in and day out was to preach to you, to expound, explain, and to apply to your lives the whole counsel or whole purpose of God. Now, you're probably out there asking, well, what's the whole purpose of God as far as our lives are concerned? Well, here it is. This is the revealed will of God for us. This book explains for us the whole purpose of God in reference to our redemption, in reference to who God is, and what's God's will for us. So what is it that the preacher is supposed to do? Focusing on Christ, he is to open up the whole of Scripture and set before God's people a table that is well balanced, that is nourishing, in which he doesn't make up his own recipes, harping on his own little pet themes, but where he goes Sunday by Sunday, delivering the whole purpose of God from Genesis to Revelation expounding the word of God in all of its richness, in all of its comprehensiveness and completeness, so that the people of God can be fed a well-balanced meal and see the greatness and the majesty and the grandeur of the Lord Jesus Christ crucified and risen. That's the preacher's responsibility. You hear preachers say today, oh, I preach only the Bible. I heard a preacher say one time, a very zealous evangelical preacher, that all he has preached on for the past 45 years is justification by grace through faith. Now, I love a zeal for the lost, and I wish more preachers had a zeal for the unsaved. But can you imagine the weak churches he left in his wake expounding on only one doctrine of Scripture. Paul did not say to the Ephesian Christians, I'm about to leave you. Oh, we've had a good time together. And I, I want you to know I'm innocent from any kind of criticism from God because the entire time I was here, I only preached one doctrine. No, he said he preached the whole the whole purpose of God. Now, could you imagine what would happen to you if your mother or your wife for every single meal served you only carrots? Carrots are good for you, but probably after a period of time you'd turn a little orange. And justification by faith is good for you. But to be healthy, you are not going to eat carrots all the time. And you won't be healthy spiritually on a diet of only justification. Preachers should not say, I just preach the Bible. They should say, I preach all of the Bible applied to lives and circumstances from Genesis to Revelation. Because to the degree... That Christians are ignorant of any truth on any theme of the Word of God. To that degree, we are deficient and inadequate as Christians. Is there any doctrine in the Word of God that you are unfamiliar with? Well, to the degree that you are, there is a deficiency in your life, beloved. Is there any section of the Bible that you haven't read or you just simply don't like? To the degree that you have not or do not, your life is deficient as a result. What do you know about the book of Deuteronomy? Can you outline the major themes of, of that book? Now, we all love Jesus, or you wouldn't be here. And we all love what Jesus loves, right? Well, did you know that Jesus' favorite book of the Old Testament is Deuteronomy? He quoted more from the book of Deuteronomy than all of the other books of the Old Testament combined. Now, how much do you know about Jesus' favorite book? You see, a preacher's responsibility is do his best to provide a whole meal, to preach the whole counsel of God, so you focus on Christ and everything that he does. He is to preach from Genesis through Revelation, every single word, paragraph by paragraph. So you understand who he is and you understand who you are in comparison to him. It's good for you and it's good for me to preach paragraph by paragraph. Because as I read the book of Luke this way, it protects you from me and I from you. The text may say something you don't like because it pinches you and you get mad at me and i have to say you know wait wait just a second here's the passage right here in the book of luke it's not me you have an argument with it's the book of luke and ultimately of course god himself or if there is a passage of scripture that i preach on and i look down at the The next paragraph, and I say to myself, Great Scott, there's something in this paragraph I have never studied before. I don't know exactly what this passage is saying. I've never considered that doctrine or that concept, and I have to preach on it next Sunday morning. Beloved, that breeds some discipline in me and keeps me working in advance because that means I've got to burn a little midnight oil and spend a great deal of time on my knees in prayer and wrestling with the Word of God. What would you think if I came up here next Sunday and I said, I know I'm supposed to preach on the next section of Luke, but I have no idea what that section means. So uh, let's just go on to the book of Acts. Uh, Now, I'm not saying that's never going to happen, but I am saying I don't ever want it to happen. Therefore, I go paragraph by paragraph, Studying every single, wor- every single week word by word. Uh, then what if we come to a paragraph in Luke and you say, well, there's nothing in that paragraph this week that particularly addressed me. I mean, he missed me altogether this time. I got off very easy today. And you know, I really wish instead of him going paragraph by paragraph, that he would address specific crises and needs and problems and challenges in the world today. Do you know what honest preachers find out when they preach that way instead of going systematically through through the scriptures but preach on subjects that they think are crucial? They find out a few years later that the problems they thought were so crucial were irrelevant. When a preacher determines according to the needs and crises of his own interest, the things he's going to preach on, you become a slave to his subjectivity. Sometimes he'll be right on. And other times he's going to miss. And then other times he is going to think some things are important when they are not. So when you come to church... And I preach on a paragraph and you say, well, there just isn't anything from that paragraph that struck a note with me this week. That's okay. It's it's no big deal. But ten years from now, you may need what was said that day. You may not need it that particular day, but someone else may have. You could be hearing something you heard preached on before. And maybe even... From me. But if it is, then I got that from another text I preached on paragraph by paragraph. And if God thought it important to put in his word more than once, we obviously need to be reminded of it. Someone will greet me at the back door while leaving after Sunday worship service and say, Gary, you know, that was really interesting, but not really relevant for me. And then another person on the same day will say, Gary, that sermon was directed right at me. It was just what I needed. So if there is a paragraph I preach on, and you don't get much out of it, and you kind of doze off, that's okay. Because someday you may need it, and the Holy Spirit, unbeknownst to you, will bring it to your remembrance. A preacher's responsibility is to preach the whole counsel of God, paragraph by paragraph, focusing on Jesus Christ. Now, let's finish by talking about the power of preaching. What makes preaching so powerful? In contrary, the public opinion, beloved, it is powerful. In fact, if when you have been at church and had dealings with the living God through the preached Word of God, or been convicted, lifted up, encouraged, or even squashed. You know how powerful the word of God can be. Preaching changes people's lives. It it transforms families, and preaching can even change entire countries. If you study the War of American Independence in 1776, you'll find that the most effective portion of the American armies was what was called the Black Regiment. And if you read carefully written histories of this great war, they will tell you that the colonies would have never won the American War for Independence if it was not for that black regiment. Well, who is the black regiment? That black regiment were, sorry, Presbyterian preachers who wore black Geneva gowns when they preached, they, they were not called that because of the color of their skin. It was their preaching that stirred the early colonists to be willing to lay down their lives for the sake of liberty. And for the sake of godly order against totalitarianism from England, it was the preaching of these early preachers in New England that gave shape and form to the early history of the United States and the very structure of this nation that remained strong for so many decades. What makes preaching so powerful that it's able to conquer demons, Jesus said? Well, because of time. We're only going to look at just one passage, although there are very many that I could refer to. Look at chapter 10, verse 16. Jesus is addressing here 70 pastors that he had sent out to declare the gospel. Luke, chapter 10, beginning in verse 16. He that heareth you, heareth me. And he that despiseth you, despiseth me. And he that despiseth me, despiseth him that sent me. And the 70 return again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. These 70 preachers come back from their God-given mission to Christ. They had seen great things happen all around him. They were even able to bring pressure to bear upon Satan, ruining his plans and thwarting his purposes. And Jesus says, this is what made your preaching so powerful. I was preaching through you. It wasn't because of your ability to communicate. Those who listened to me were listening. Those who were listening to you were listening to me. Those who rejected you rejected me whenever you go, whenever you're preaching does any good, it is because they heard my voice through your voice. And that alone is what makes the difference. Beloved, it is wrong for you to ever thank me for the message that I am privileged to deliver you Sunday after Sunday. Whatever message God uses to affect your life and transform your heart is all of him. It is his sovereign power. It is not in any way me. I am nothing but a tool, a mouthpiece in the hands of the master who uses me in whatever way he desires. Oh, I am certainly a willing tool but even my willingness comes from him because of my inadequacies and lack of training i spend many hours praying and preparing my sermons and yet i'm always overwhelmed with the understanding that god blesses me with and yet when i enter this pulpit I wonder if anything I say will be of any use for your spiritual growth or be practical for your life. But then again, he shows me that he can take a dull saw and use it for his purposes. But beloved, if this is true, you must come to church each week prepared and hungry to hear God preached and give the best attention you can to hear it in fact let me close with a quote actually with question number 160 of the larger catechism of the Westminster Confession of Faith and I would please ask you to listen very carefully to this I'm only going to make a couple of comments because of the time but please listen to this question number 160 What is required of them that hear the word preached? It is required of those that hear the word preached that they attend upon it with diligence. That you come here ready to hear the word of God and give it your full attention while you're here. And then they say preparation. Prepare yourself before you come here. The great thing about Reformed Heritage Church is we don't meet until 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You've got all morning long to prepare yourself to meet God face-to-face right here in this building. And with prayer, pray before you come here. Pray that God will use the preach word to affect your life. And that you you will understand that you have to take that word and apply it. That God will truly work on your heart. Examine what they hear by the scriptures. Beloved, I've told you 50 million times don't ever take what I say at heart. You take it back to scripture and make sure what I'm saying is true. I, I, no matter what you think of me, I could lead you astray. And you'd never know if you don't take it back to the word. Receive the truth with faith. Whatever I do say that's true, receive it with praise. With, uh, with faith, love, meekness. Meekness means to be teachable. Come here ready to be taught from the word of God. Readiness of mind. Have your mind prepared to receive the word as the word of God, it says here. And then meditate on his word and confer of it. In other words, when you leave here, talk to your husband or your wife or your brothers or sisters about what you learned here today confer talk about it among yourselves and you fathers talk about it with your children and then hide it in your hearts and then bring forth the fruit of it in your lives that's what you're to do when you hear the preached word of god beloved god sovereignly uses his frail instruments to deliver his sovereign word in such a way that you might be molded and shaped more and more into the very image of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not, please, ever take this time each week for granted, but come eagerly to attend diligently to the preached Word and pray He sovereignly uses it to empower you to be a mighty warrior for His kingdom. Amen.
1: Eight six six five six oh seven. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB post mailbox four oh two, and the address is fourteen eighty four Pollard Road.